Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It is Friday, June the 9th. And if it's a Friday, it must be that was the week with my old friend Keith Tier. Last week, Keith who's not always particularly critical of the tech industry, certainly less critical than I am, more of an optimist than a pessimist, argued uh, in his uh, That Was The Week newsletter and in our conversation that Apple was about to make a mistake with their new mask. And, of course, this week they came out with this, so to speak, at least in Keith's words, new mask, and he asked himself, was I wrong? Keith Tier acknowledging publicly that he was wrong, that's a first, Keith, isn't it? Well, read carefully, Andrew. I didn't say I was wrong. I said, was I wrong, question mark. <laughs> exactly. Well, that was the perfect uh, setup for you, Keith. You're never wrong, are you? Admit it. Well, uh, uh, you know, yes, I am often wrong. Um, but And the world's a complicated place. But, I, you know, I'm, I'm big enough to admit it if I'm wrong. I was wrong, actually. I was wrong about... I said Apple were too smart to to try to deliver a product that sits on your face. And we both um, said that. We were both suspicious and ambivalent and uneasy about Apple entering the virtual reality marketplace. But it seems as if the response of... I mean, I haven't put one of these things on. I don't think you have either. But a lot of the people we trust have, and they've all come out of it being cautiously optimistic. Yeah, and I think that's probably the appropriate the, the appropriate response to the software and engineering. I mean, it, it's a fantastically engineered product. It's very complex. Because it's so complex, it can do a lot of things um, with software because it has sensors and cameras and such. For example, um, Facebook's version of this, you've got to use controllers in your hands. With the Apple one, it actually understands your hands because it's got really high resolution downward-facing cameras and it knows that, you know, this is a click and this is a double click. So it, 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 it's more natural. The resolution of the screens is very high. So it's two 4K screens, which means it looks real. It brings the outside world in to your eyes. Um, and it isn't actually a, a look through, although it looks like that. It's, it's uh, projecting uh, the external cameras into your eyes as, as if you're in the room. And, and that apparently is super seamless and feels very real. And then the software that they showed off, like being able to see your eye messages over here, uh, you know, a kind of an IMAX scale cinema screen if you want to watch a movie, high definition uh, video and audio. I mean, every, everything about it suggests that both for leisure and for work, for a single person, um, it uh, you know, if you can bear to wear it, it's going to deliver some good things to you. Right. But we know that everybody knows, you know, as better than anyone, Keith, that this is just the first product. It's not going to be perfect. It's going to have problems. Uh, but does it suggest that this space, this virtual reality business, this platform, this technology, this new way of interacting with technology, that it's for real? Because last week, most people would have suggested that it wasn't. Most people have written off Facebook and, and Zuckerberg's embrace of, of, of the metaverse as absurd. Yeah. And 
Apple legitimized it, made it real, made most people take it more seriously with their their Vision Pro. Has it given us a vision of the vision of the future? I, I you know, I'm hesitating because I think there's two answers. Have they made it real, um, as in brought it to life? Yes. Will it become actually real? Depends on people wearing it. I don't think it's expensive. Three and a half thousand. Yeah, I agree. Euros. I think the price is actually, I, I, and I'm guessing I won't spend it because I'm a bit of a Jew. But you, um, <laughs> you are. You're a full, a full, I'm a full Jew, and I'm not going to spend thirty five hundred dollars on a on some ornament for my face. But I'm guessing that you will. You're exactly the kind of. Uh, a Mac boy or Apple boy that uh, that they're relying on to spend the money. Well, my my test for myself isn't what, whether I'll buy one because I will. The test is whether I'll use it, and and if I use it, I, it will replace a lot of hardware that's currently in my home. Um, now the hard thing is that that's the excuse you give Jeanette. Well, no, because Jeanette Jeanette has a very good point. She she makes the point that. Uh, for us to enjoy this, we'd have to buy two because it's by definition, it's a solo device. So is that her way of, of, of getting a, a one of these devices? <laughs> no, I don't think so. But she, she's saying, look, you can't replace. We have a projector that projects on the wall instead of a TV because I like to I like minimalism in a way. And, and uh, this can replace that, but only for one person. So yeah. um, so the social the things you do socially, probably it's not going to replace. Well, that's it's interesting. If your sons had heard that, I'm guessing they would have said, well, you need five. Well, we don't watch TV together. So uh, because they're, they're, they, they're, you know, we don't have the same taste, Andrew. I don't know if that's true of you and your kids. but uh, Yeah, we, we do have the same taste. I wonder whether it will enable, maybe I can justify it, Keith, and you and I can watch football together. Well, that's... That is a great use case. I don't know if you saw the basketball game they showed in 3D. No, I didn't watch the thing. Well, they, they showed a basketball game in 3D where you're basically sitting in a seat in the stadium and have exactly the view you would have from that seat. That's something close to my heart. I've had this concept of digital seats forever, and it requires that kind of streaming and 3D view. And they can do it. And, you know, if the Premier League ends up being 3D, I'll definitely wear this at least two hours every every week when Manchester United play because it's a great way to watch the game. You, you get a, a view of the whole field. So that so there's many many things. It's going there's to be good so for. many different things. Um, I, I want to move on, kids, because there's a lot more to discuss. But you ask, you you don't acknowledge, you don't confess you were wrong. You ask, was I wrong? And the conclusion is you were and you weren't very briefly Keith what were you wrong about and what were you right about in last week's editorial uh, I was wrong that they wouldn't uh, they wouldn't build this uh, I, I, I was right that if they build it it'll be good and um, I don't know if I'm right about it, it'll stay on the shelf that, that there's a lot of ifs and buts there which I talk about in the editorial so so there's there's one. The jury is out on will it stay on the shelf, or will I, you, you know, will it become actually a replacement for lots of other devices? It has the capability to be a replacement for lots of other devices. It's a long-term game, though. I mean, we're talking a decade here. I mean, if you and I are still doing this show in 2033, it 
by then it, it should be relatively mature. This thing is not going to mature in a year or two. It's not like the iPhone, is it? No. Well, the iPhone took – the first version was pretty decent uh, compared to anything else in the world, which this is too. Um, but looking backwards from today's iPhone, it was totally clunky. Um, and, uh, and everything has improved about it every single year. So that will happen here too. Uh, the biggest thing that needs to improve is it needs to be really true AR and lightweight. Um, but they can fix that. Your, the newsletter this week touches on a lot of interesting pieces, a lot of fascinating responses. One thing that I don't think you put in, in, in the newsletter, but I was particularly intrigued, was that uh, by Dan Shipper suggesting that now Apple has a shot at sol solving the mental health crisis. I wonder whether... Ultimately, historians will um, conclude that the launch of the Vision Pro was the first time that tech companies got into our heads. Well, that the beginning, no, that, the beginning, if you like, of Silicon Valley's co colonization of the human body, a real beginning. I think of it more as augmentation than colonization, but I, I understand what you're saying. I, I, I do think the watch already you know, goes there. The, the, the health announcements for the watch were, uh, takes it to a whole new level, especially for fitness, in terms of what it can track and measure. Um, so it, I think the body is already a receptacle for tech. Yeah, but the what thing we really want... with the watch is we still use our eyes to look at it. I take your point. But the thing with this device is it's beginning to play with our with the traditional way in which the human body has been used historically. Um, yeah, our well, eyes are, are augmented by something else and we will perceive reality according to the way that Apple wants us to rather than we have historically. It's interesting. I don't know if you watched, there's a show on Apple TV called Silo where... where... Yeah, I've interviewed the guy uh, actually on uh, Hugh Howie who wrote it on my show. Well, so that, I, 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 this isn't a spoiler because I don't know yet, but my, I believe that the view of the outside world that the, that the inhabitants of the silo have is fake um, and that for some reason uh, the silo authorities don't want people to go outside, so they depict this kind of acid rain, external poisonous outside through a big screen, which I think is fake. So... Um, Yes, that, that, that can happen if you want to go to the dark side of Apple, you know, having a, some kind of dastardly plan. I yeah, no, I'm not saying that, and I don't think anyone would, but I think it, this is clearly a, a momentously historic announcement, but it's for tomorrow. Today, of course, we still live in uh, the age of AI. It seems almost uh, historic now, AI, compared to Apple's vision of the future. Um, and a couple of interesting pieces that you connect with. One by Mark Andreessen, why AI will save the world. And one uh, in Wired by Gideon Litchfield, who I know is the editor there, why Andreessen is wrong. W what is Andreessen saying and why does Litchfield say that he's wrong? Andreessen is saying things very close to what you and I have been discussing for the past couple of months. He, he's basically talking about the opportunities AI give to humanity to extend its capabilities. And he's 
poo-pooing all of the fear mongers who are trying to scare us into believing that AI is going to kill us. Um, and, and so it's a 7,000 word essay and it goes into a lot of detail on what AI can be used for. And it's uh, not that different from what Altman's been saying. And you and I have been talking about Altman's vision. I mean, he's a little bit more ambivalent, I think, because he has to be because he's so vulnerable publicly. But yeah. Andreessen and Altman, I'm guessing, are in the same camp, are they? Roughly, roughly in the same camp. I mean, they, they might quibble about uh, details, uh, platform versus application and things like that. Uh, there's a great Stephen Sinofsky piece on platforms in this week's newsletter as well. He was one of the architects of uh, Office at Microsoft and now he's at Andreessen. Um, so there, there, there's a lot of deep stuff in this week's newsletter that if you're really serious about humanity and the future, it's not really about tech. Tech's just an agent. Uh, an instrument. It shows the when you and I and everyone we've been talking about this for years. The convergence of tech and everything else. Tech now is the thing in itself. So, do you think that the Andreessen essay is convincing? Yes. Yeah. I. Agree. I, I, I. My head nearly dropped off nodding uh, as I read it. Uh, uh, it. And it's well written and good for him. Good for him for you know representing something. Uh, not just he's not just trying to make money he 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 kind of stands for something which is refreshing i think in this world where um you know the world has descended into well, i mean to, a lot of people might say he can afford to stand for something um and what's the the wired critique well the wired critique the wired is like a sponge for negativity when it comes to tech. It's shocking, really, that why... ironic, of all things. I mean, yeah. because that's the current zeitgeist. Exactly. And, and, and Wired, Wired cares more about being cool than being right. And, and you know, it's cool to knock AI. Um, so you're but, suggesting that um, the Litchfield's critique of Andreessen is entirely wrong? What does he say? He, he talks... He really tries to depict... AI is something other, you know, something external to humans uh, that threatens us. Um, um, so it's the same old, same old stuff. It, it, it's you can't trust this stuff not to get out of control. But he does have, there is a narrative of what happened with Web2 and Google and Facebook. and That's the big company stuff. Cambridge Analytica and addiction to... Uh, technology and all the other things that have gone wrong. And a lot of the promises that Andreessen lays out were made before both Web 1 and Web 2. Andreessen's made them before and they haven't been realized. Um, I don't think that's really true. I, I think they have been. Well, I mean, whether or not they've been fully realized is debatable. Well, look, at the root of the root of the yeah, but at the root of it, Andrew, is a fear of bigness and a belief that bigness can only be bad, uh, as enshrined in the term big tech, and that um, the inevitable outcome of all of this progress is the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. And, and I don't think that is the inevitable outcome of all this progress. I think the only way for the poor to get richer, actually is for 
automation to create wealth. Uh, that that's the way to do it. And there is a kind of a polarized debate that says, well, you you know, only politics can solve poverty. No, well, yes, po politics definitely has to play a role because someone has to decide where the where the wealth goes. But without um, uh, uh, automation, the wealth won't be produced in the first place, and so you're you're destined to stay in the past. So is this uh, you you link also to a piece by Martin Barshavsky, who I know AI is a tool. We have these conversations. Everyone talks about tech as an agency of good or evil. And then someone will pop up, oh, AI is just a tool. That's kind of obvious. What does Varshavsky say that helps perhaps get beyond the Manichaean nature of this debate about either tech solving everything or causing all the problems? Uh, I think that you're framing it right. That That is the debate. And, I, you know, it, it's almost like there'd be witches you know, the, the idea that there are witches, um, the, you know, that this is all, we normal people are victims of all this, these rich, big people doing tech. I don't, you know, it seems ridiculous to me. Well, your your video of the week is uh, a Lex Friedman interview of, of Mark uh, Zuckerberg. But uh, I also did an interesting interview, which you linked to with Trevor Trainer. Some people will remember him. Mm -hmm. uh, early founder, then he was Trump's ambassador to uh, Austria, very wealthy tech guy from San Francisco. He was talking to me about uh, Cressus Labs. Uh, did you have a look? I, I'm not sure if you had a chance to look at the interview, Keith, uh, but uh, Trainer um, is counterintuitively going back and arguing that Web3 is a reality and the blockchain is a reality. Is that just nostalgia or is there some truth to that? In, in the midst of all our hysteria over the Apple announcement and this endless debate about AI, is Web3 still alive? Is, is Trainer right? Well, he's, he's right that Web3 is a real thing. Um, he, I don't think he's right in his belief that he's got an app which is going to subsume the whole of Web3 in a single app. But... I think he's right that Web3 is real. Um, it, 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 it's infrastructure. So saying Web3 is real is a little bit like saying TCPIP is real. Um, TCPIP does not suggest any specific applications and neither does Web3. So Web3 as, as infrastructure um, will be as relevant as the applications that are built on top of it that we all end up wanting to use. And, and I think it's particularly good for anything that needs to be transparent, unchangeable and distributed. It's, it's really all about um, uh, documenting transactions on a ledger. Right. But what I was intrigued with, with, with Trainer's argument about this Croesus Labs is that he suggests, whether it's his super app or Musk's or somebody else, that we will carry our identity around with us. He calls it a wallet. I think that's the wrong word. If we to address all the problems of lying and the crisis of truth and all the corruption of the dark web, won't we need something as the world gets more and more digitalized to carry around our, the rights to our home and our car and our identity and our money. 
Um, so in a sense, will there be a, a super Web3 blockchain, uh, a blockchain-centric app? Does that make sense? It, it made sense to me, but maybe I just don't get it as well. It, 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 it doesn't make sense to me at all. Um, everything he's describing, we already have in the Apple wallet. My Apple wallet has my farmer's insurance policies for my cars and my house. It has, it, it'll soon have my driver's license. Um, in some states, it already has. It has my credit cards and debit cards. It has tickets to events. Um, uh, the, the Apple wallet is kind of the center of the transactional universe. And Apple is anything but Web3. It's highly centralized. And uh, on the back end, it does like fraud management and money management. I have a savings account now on my Apple card that pays 4.15% interest. And Google, by the way, has a lot of similar things on the Android phone, not quite as good as Apple's, but some of them. And and so Web3 really uh, uh, needs to... Just to jump in here, Keith, I take your point on Apple, but none of the stuff that you're storing is built on the blockchain it doesn't need to be that, that that's the whole point people are trying to make the blockchain be for everything it isn't for everything it's for distributed uh you know irrefutable transactions um that uh you know that need to be evidenced and that that's kind of it well uh, one thing's for sure NFT, is that... nfts are a real use case for the right blockchain. and he talks about nfts one thing for sure, Keith is not giving Cressus Labs his startup of the week. Uh, and he's giving it to somebody else, someone who um, probably doesn't need any more awards. Lionel Messi and Apple, the two of them, the two ultimate winners in the world. Apple's Messi vision, Keith. How does that get startup of the week? Who's the startup, Messi or Apple? Messi is the startup. Um the, the, the Major League Soccer, the American Soccer League, which, which has done surprisingly well in a country that isn't really a soccer-loving country, uh, some teams attracting very large crowds. Now Messi has decided that in the twilight of his career, rather than go to Saudi Arabia, um, which is the destination for Karim Benzema and Cristiano Ronaldo, he's coming to the U.S., to Miami, in fact, David Beckham's team. Into um, Miami, as they call it. Into Miami, which is at the bottom of the league right now, by the way. So he's joining the bottom of the league team. And he's starting his life over. He talked a lot about wanting to be anonymous. And he believes in America he can be. Wanting to have a normal family life. And um, where he plays and how much he gets paid, of course, matters to him. But his life matters even more. So he's going to be here in the States, in Miami, playing regularly. Um, and probably the, the ticket prices, by the way, for his first game are $400. The normal ticket price into Miami is $29. So why? Uh, what's this got to do with Apple? A Apple um, are the primary sponsor of MLS. They, 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 every, every MLS game is live on Apple TV. Uh, they have built a really nice framework where you can see all the scores and all the interviews and everything. And um, uh, Apple has agreed to give Messi a fraction of their revenue in return for coming to into Miami. So, the, so Apple indirectly is paying a lot of his wages.
I have to say that I this doesn't excite me in any way. On the other hand, I guess if Messi's got to go somewhere, it's better to go to Miami than to Saudi Arabia. Yeah, it doesn't excite me either. But but it you know if we were if we were advising Apple on their strategy, I think they'd be better off spending money getting the rights to the English Premier League and and other. Events. Might, even Apple might not be able to afford that. No, they, it's only seven billion for three years. Yeah, well, they maybe should take. If it's only seven billion, they should take two of them. Keith, uh, the uh, I can imagine their Vision Pro and the whole messy thing going together. Even the image you use looks like a computer-generated vision of of, of Messi. How, how would you expect Apple to build on the Vision Pro in terms of their investment in Messi and MLS? Well, I think the first thing that'll happen is you're going to have. Um, uh, surround video cameras in stadiums that allow them to render the stadium in 3D and the field in 3D in high definition. And that that will be a game changer because you'd never really want to watch a game any other way. I mean, I could see people... I mean, in Miami, people are already weird. They'd be, they'd all be happy walking around looking like this, won't they? You know, that's in my editorial, I made the point that I'd never wear one outside. You know, do you remember when you first saw people wearing the white Apple AirPods outside and it seemed kind of weird? Yeah, or, or the masks for COVID. I thought, I'm never going to wear one of those. And now everyone wears them. Yeah. So things change. But at least for now, I, I can't imagine ever wearing one outside. I think it would be inside. Um, even the video they do of someone wearing it on an airplane to watch a movie seemed weird to me. Well, I think it's certainly California and the Bay Area one, uh, Florida and Miami nil with Messi going to Miami. Stay there, Lionel. Don't come here. We won't have any interest in you. Finally, Keith, uh, tweet of the week. Two people, two regulars. Tim Draper, I know, who is also a viewer, an old friend of yours, Keith, someone I've known for many years, quite a colorful, brilliant man and a rather loud man. I'm sure he loves Twitter. What, what's his tweet? Well, I, I, I made Tim Tweet of the Week because he's one of the few people standing up to the SEC in a week where the SEC has charged both Binance and Coinbase with being in breach of various security-related and exchange trading laws. Um, and Tim makes the point that the SEC is using um, uh, basically punishment and bullying in the absence of policy or, or regular, regulatory frameworks and and I think he's totally right. The the you know crypto is real. Lots of people want to engage with it, and Binance and Coinbase have both put together a stack of applications and technologies that make it possible, and are very successful. Both of them are very successful. Well, I don't think very, I mean I wouldn't call either of them very successful. Well, their stock market price. They're huge businesses, and. The, the SEC allowed Coinbase to become a public company, the, the same organization. And it turns out the SEC chair tried to become an advisor to Binance prior to taking the chairmanship. So Tim is just calling it out and saying this is completely not the right way to deal with new technology. And Ironically new enough, thinking out loud, it, it's rather similar to the way in which the U.S. government is treating TikTok. Not, not unlike it. Yeah, very similar. So and, and it, and it's the uh, way that the Chinese government, right. attempt, you know, treats things it doesn't like, or, or the Russian government treats things it doesn't like. And ironically, I think the Bitcoin, the uh, the Coinbase legal defense is that 
they're arguing that the SEC allowed it in the first place. So how can they argue against it? Can Coinbase and Binance, in particular Coinbase, can it survive if the SEC essentially bans it from the U.S.? Well, what they're going to ban is uh, trading tokens that are considered to be securities. And there are two tokens that are not securities. Uh, the SEC agrees. That's Bitcoin and Ethereum. So it, they will survive, but they may be reduced down to Bitcoin and Ethereum uh, trading. And, and many of the other tokens will, will have to stop trading. I mean, and one of the astonishing things is that the Coinbase stock didn't collapse i mean it went down about 10 or 15 percent well they've been that's... so bashed around with all this can you imagine being the head of legal at uh, coinbase keith yeah it would be a bit of a nightmare and and but i do I, it is the case by the way andrew that only about 20 percent of their revenue comes from the assets the sec is focused on and finally you've got another tweet of the week robert scoble an old friend and heard from him for a while uh he was the guy, of course, who popularized virtual reality many years ago, wearing his weird goggles in the shower. May have yeah. got into a little bit of trouble. But uh, what, what does uh, Scoble say about uh, the, the, all the Apple news and the reappearance of virtual reality? So he's reacting to the fact that Mark Zuckerberg held an all-hands meeting yesterday at Facebook to address the Apple announcements in the context of Facebook's plans. And Zuckerberg poured cold water on Apple, saying that uh, unlike Facebook, Apple's device is going to be a solitary device for your personal use, whereas Facebook is focused on meeting your friends in, 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 in the metaverse. And basically, Scoble uh, shines a light on that uh, internal meeting at Facebook and more or less sides with Apple, which is kind of interesting. Um, uh, uh, you know, uh, I, I don't think I've ever seen Robert Scoble criticize Zuckerberg so directly on on uh, on uh, the metaverse. But uh, will this mean that, in a way, for Zuckerberg, it's not necessarily bad? Uh, Apple will control the high end and get guys like you to spend thirty five hundred dollars on devices they'll probably never use, and Facebook will become the Android in the virtual reality space selling cheap devices which aren't that great to people who can't afford to spend $3,500 on, on a platform that's free, uh, built by advertising, so it conformed to his business model, whereby the Apple business model is entirely different and is actually rather suspicious of advertising. So we're going to see yeah. the same uh, split between Apple and the Web 2.0 companies in the virtual reality world. And the only thing I think there is you may be giving... Facebook too much credit. I don't think it'll even be the Android. I, I, I think Facebook struggled to sell these devices. Um, I've got one and, uh, you know, I, I think they're pretty good. The software's good, but the use case isn't there. Um, I think Apple actually, by making this for me, not for us, is being super smart. It's a higher end device for sure and it costs more, but even more important than those two things, it actually is something I could imagine using for quite a few things. I can't actually imagine using the Oculus for very many things, if anything, actually. Well, that was the week for June the 9th, 2023. Keith, finally, admit it publicly. I won't do this every week, but admit you were wrong. Say it publicly to the world, and then we can move on till next week. 
I, I, I was, uh, I was wrong. They, they, they did it. And I may say it again, up, say, say, say it three times. I was wrong. I was wrong. I was wrong. Uh, yeah. I, 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 you know, Andrew, I will dance to your tune. I was wrong. I was wrong. I was wrong. 